thank you, Megan, for being on my show. Um, you're the first marketing person, which is weird because, um, you know, a lot of what I do is uh, around marketing. So it's it's great to finally get someone actually in the field of marketing on my show. Could you maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and then give a brief overview of what it is that you do and how you ended up doing it, how long and why and etc. So um, blow us away with your bio. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Thanks. Thanks to you as well, Megan. And yeah, I mean, I think very much we, we talk the same language. So it's great to be here. But really what I do do is I help small to medium sized businesses with their marketing. But how did I get here? Well, actually, when I left school, I knew I wanted to study marketing. So it was a no brainer for me. Um, I went, I was fortunate enough and I got into RA which is now University of Johannesburg. And I studied marketing and stayed on to complete my honours um, because I just actually really enjoyed it and loved my lecturer and then wanted to stay on to do my master's. And she's like, Megan, you kind of got to get out of here and you need to go and get some experience. <laughs> but still wasn't ready for the working world. So I'm like, no, okay, hang on. I'll get some experience overseas. So I went on overseas, did a bit of a, a working experience there. and. Um, when I got back, I got into marketing. Not as quickly as I was hoping, I must be honest, um, because obviously now I have this fancy degree, but I didn't have any experience behind me. So it it was a challenge, you know. So yeah, six months, I think, in, I, I managed to get something and I started out working in the exhibitions industry. And so I moved myself around into airlines, packaging, paint, and landed up my last business a company that I worked with was facilities management, where I was then retrenched. And that's when I, I got my CV already and, you know, let's get out there, let's get another job. And then I kind of took a step back and thought, maybe this is the opportunity. I've always had an entrepreneurial part inside of me from a very young age, but got very cozy and comfortable in corporate. So it was not just an easy move to get on and go out. So, I, yeah, so for me, it was a blessing in disguise. Um your entrepreneurship has been tough. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I am I'm beyond my thousand days, as as they say, three years into business, but it is still challenging. I'm on my own most days, you know, um, so it's hard to stay motivated. But I think what helps me is I truly love what I do. Yeah. So what I do, as I said, is marketing. I started off kind of looking more at marketing strategy and implementing on behalf of the clients. And then a couple of months ago with the whole COVID and everything that happened, I've taken my business purely online and really focusing more on like the coaching and mentoring of business owners with their marketing because I saw it for the last four years, you know, that the same problems come through, you know, I'm struggling with my marketing, my marketing isn't working. And when I started engaging and kind of getting to the bottom of it, it all kind of came down to the same pain points. And that's when I decided, you know what, I think business owners just really need to get to the bottom of what marketing is and not get caught up in this thing, you know, Facebook advertising, whatever it may be, that's flustering them, where it's actually, there's so much more to it. So yeah. hence the name, the Marketing Lifeline, and um, and that's what I do. That's awesome. Two things that came out of your little intro. Firstly, uh, I do working with small business myself. Um, there is a massive lack of understanding uh, with you know what marketing is. And a lot of people just think that paid advertising is marketing. And that's just a small portion of it. It's this this massive, massive thing behind marketing. And, you know, you've got your branding and 
everything comes into it and it all kind of counts towards marketing. And there's, I think, a real lack of understanding and education in small businesses uh, about that. And then the second thing is, uh, yes, entrepreneurship is actually a really lonely thing. Uh, you work by yourself most of the time and Sorry, my dog is hacking up something here. That's 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 my day most of the time. Uh, you know, listening to my dog hack. Your dog is your colleague. Yes, oh, and she's bloody lazy as well. So, you know, it, it's not easy doing it on your own. So, well, congratulations for for making it so far. And um, I know that this is not your first business. You've you've had the fresh concepts. I don't know. Are you still kind of running that in conjunction with Marketing Lifeline? Yeah, so I yeah when I when I when I was retrenched, I opened Fresh Concepts. So that was more like the implementation of marketing strategies, or guiding clients with their marketing strategies and implementation. So I'm still still servicing a few clients, but really focusing on the kind of more coaching, mentoring business owners just to help them, you know, with their marketing. Mm. Yeah, because I've really been enjoying it. I must say, I think people are like the new normal and I'm like, no, the you know, the new better because it is just that for me, it's COVID obviously has done horrible things to many industries as we spoke about last week with travel yeah. and how many industries have closed down or businesses have closed down. But for me, and I think there's a number of us that can speak the same is that it's actually helped us identify a world of opportunity out there, you know, being able to take up businesses globally and actually engaging with people from around the world on a daily basis. So I'm really, really in a good space. And yeah, I think that um, the marketing lifeline can definitely help those um, in distress. And, yeah. and trust me, I have some clients that will phone in distress and be like, okay, I need your help. And and one one conversation was about what should I do next in my career? And I was like, okay, well, I don't mind servicing Lifeline neither. You know, I can just be there for guidance <laughs> if I need to. But, um, yeah, naturally, you know, I love giving advice. And I just feel from where I've come and the experience I've had, you know, people can only benefit from it. I can only help them. And it's such an achievement. And for me and you as well, like we said, seeing other people succeed and growing, like for me, that's the best. Yeah, I just feel satisfied, you know, yes, we're all here to make money and yeah, we need to run our businesses so we can pay our levies and feed our animals. But um, <laughs> at the same time, we, we also have to have some gratification in what we do. And that's yes, yeah. essentially where, where I'm at at the moment. So yeah. That's awesome. So let's speak about your company name, the Marketing Lifeline, because that is a great name, especially based on the fact that there's just so much questionable marketing out there. And as a business owner, we have every available resource at our fingertips these days. Um, and, you know, I suppose I contribute to that because I have a blog and the podcast, and you've got your other channels as well. If you want to know something, you pop onto Google and you plug that question in and uh, you get hundreds upon thousands of answers and resources. Unfortunately, just because you read something online doesn't mean it's necessarily going to make you an expert. And it also doesn't necessarily mean that it's the, the right option for your particular business strategy. Where have you found that that tipping point between DIY marketing is that works and the point that you should really look at getting professional help, whether that means, you know, calling in an expert or uh, outsourcing the task uh, in its entirety. Um, when would an, uh, uh, an SME need a marketing lifeline? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, and that's, it's a massive kind of competitive for us in this space is 
we are competing with the internet. So it's massive, you know, and yeah, no, no disrespect. There's loads of experts out there, but there's also a lot of people that have claimed to be experts because they've done a few Udemy courses or they've Googled and now they understand it. So I think we all can agree that best practice comes from real practice, but where SMEs should enter into marketing is as soon as possible or as soon as they can afford it. So that's the kind of two angles that it, you know I have is that I, I would say if you're thinking of starting a business, best you start engaging with your marketing as soon as possible because if you do your marketing properly and you actually understand the process, it can actually build your business model. It can build your product offering. You identify your target. You know, you can build your packaging around it, your pricing. You understand your distribution. It's it's actually everything you need to know within your business before actually going to market with the message. So that's the ideal world. But the reality is most entrepreneurs start out one or two main businesses and they don't want to invest in a marketing expert at that stage. So they kind of go along the way and fight through it. And then I get them at that phase where, okay, we've got the website up, we've got the Facebook ads, but nothing's happening. We're not getting any new leads. Nobody's finding us. And that's obviously where I can come in and say, okay, well, let's go back to basics. Let's see what what it is that we need. Perhaps you target the wrong target audience or perhaps you haven't got anyone in mind and so those are kind of the two folds so preferably I think SMEs need to come in to the marketing space as soon as possible and then if not you know as soon as they can afford it because unfortunately as we know money does make money but also smart money so you don't necessarily have to spend thousands on Google ads if you're doing everything correctly you could actually spend less but if you don't have any knowledge or insights as to what you should do and what your messages is and understanding your audience, all that nonsense behind it is, yes, then you'll be throwing money into into nothing. So Mm. for me, those are my two criteria. I say, first off, if you want to start a business, come in straight away, get it done, start your business on a clean plate. Yes, you may have invested a bit, but you will be better off. Or as soon as you've got money to spend, um, get into it. Or as you've said, use the internet as a resource if you have to, but unfortunately you will probably fall short. So it just depends how long you want to want to suffer. What I don't understand when people start businesses is that often they will, uh, you know, consult a lawyer on the legal aspects. They'll go the whole registration route, speak to an accountant to get the finances set up, but then they don't speak to a marketing consultant to actually get the the product and the audience and and. That, that actual, not the, well, it, sales is part of marketing as well, but get yeah. all the actual product alignments and, and all that kind of thing done. So you've got this business mm-hmm. that legally and financially is set up. You've built a solid foundation. And a good they, idea. You know, they don't, uh, they don't go and, uh, do the same thing from a marketing perspective. So they end up with this company that's good on paper, but is not making any sales. No, absolutely. I think that's why I am so passionate about marketing because being in a corporate space as well, how much marketing actually drives a business, you know, um, as you've just mentioned, you know, so most people start off businesses with a great idea. And that's great, you know. Have you tested your idea? Do you understand if there's actually a need for it? Maybe there's a there's a better way to package it. Maybe there's actually a better idea, you know. Identifying what do people need, you know, because a lot of meaty products come out in the market, as we know. And it's always like, what is different from you to the next guy? And that's where taking your time with marketing can actually really help you kind of elevate your brand quicker because you, you're so spot on with what actually the audience needs 
So yeah. you bring them that and you message it around that. I mean, for me, it's it's just a logical process, but it is. Marketing is just seen as a factor of spending and, you know, a website and a Facebook campaign. But, yeah, as I've, I've mentioned to you, it's far greater than that. It's, it's really getting to understand your audience and what it is that they need, you know, taking the time to rather test your product or service. You know, they may give you great feedback as to maybe how else to bring it to market or what's really missing. Pricing is important. Do your research. See what your market's charging. What are people willing to pay? What are the going trends? You know, what are people going to be investing in the next couple of years? Maybe you're coming out at the back of something and in the next couple of years, there's going to be something new on the market. So it's all these little things that one needs to really understand. But I think a lot of people, as I've discussed with business owners, is that's the feeling or the place that they feel they have control, you know, um, because that's their product and that's their service and they're also experts in it. So for them, that's the one thing they have in control. But mm. the other thing is, but what is the what does the market want? And that's where I think a lot of people go wrong. And, and that's where we kind of go into that whole features and benefits, which we can talk about just now, is because you know your product so well, all you want to do is put it out there and tell people how great it is. But that's obviously not the right thing to do. You know, speaking about test audiences and seeing if there's a market for the product, I don't know if you've watched a program on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. There is an episode oh, there about the Power Rangers and I don't know um, I know we're more or less the same age if you grew up in the 90s you'll know who the Power Rangers are but the the story behind how this became a big hit is insane because this guy accrued this Jap this American uh, accrued a uh, this Japanese footage of a, a local show and basically he used snippets of it and uh, created this new program that they kind of then, intersected this Japanese footage with American actors and he went to a whole lot of production companies and that and everyone was like what an absolute load of crap this is never mm. going to sell it took him eight years before they actually managed to get this footage in front of the target audience which is a bunch of kids and the kids loved it and it's become one of the most you know enduring it had a reboot now recently. So it just goes to show the power of putting that product in front of the correct audience. And that's what mm -hmm. marketing does, because then you can align everything towards messaging the people that are actually going to buy this product. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought that was quite an interesting case study in terms of defining audiences and defining the product and, and getting actually it right. getting yeah. it right. Showing yeah. the right people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I suppose you could say Power Rangers was a bit of an experiment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's maybe a good segue into the next uh, question. I'm pretty big on experimenting. Uh, but the risk is that there's, it's a little bit like gambling. You need to bet big in order to win big in gambling. And that obviously comes with a fair degree of risk. And it's not any different in terms of marketing. So, uh, or at least experimenting with your marketing. So since I've been doing my own thing, I seem to feel the query of how long do I have to wait in order to see an ROI on this piece of content or, you know, how long is it going to take for me to actually, for my thought leadership pieces to start gaining traction and so on. 
Um, and as you know, no piece of content is ever going to guarantee that you make a sale or even that you get interaction by way of likes and shares and so on and on social media. Or, you know, even if you do all your research, sometimes a piece of content or a piece of marketing just doesn't work. And you can't really explain why it doesn't work. And it's really frustrating for both you as the consultant and for the client. There's a lot of variables that can uh you know, affect the effectiveness of a piece of marketing. So what advice do you have for people just kind of setting out or those looking to revamp and ramp up their, their efforts? What kind of what is the, the biggest mistake most people make when it comes to marketing? And how would you avoid those mistakes? Sure, yeah. Um, super question, because yeah, unfortunately, there's no hard and fast rule about timing. That's, that's unfortunately something we can't promise, you know, we will always say to our clients as well, you know, um, a minimum of three months, but that's the other thing is marketing is not instant gratification. So it's important that people go into it with the understanding it's an investment. But what advice do I have for people just setting out or those looking to revamp or kind of feeling stuck that their marketing isn't working? I think a key thing for me is going back to basics. I think a big problem we have is that a lot of businesses come in getting too influenced by what other people are saying. And it's very easy to keep up with the Joneses, as we would, we would say. For me, very simple advice is go back to the basics, go back to look at what it is that you're doing. Are you maybe offering too many services? You know, from a content perspective as well, I know content writers that have an array of services, like from book editing to blogging to being a beta reader to writing newsletters to writing social media posts. You know, that's just an example. But sometimes companies and businesses have too many offerings. And, and sometimes it just takes a bit of time to think about, okay, well, which product or service gives me the most value and the most money? You know, let's start there. And maybe that's the one we need to kind of focus our marketing on is rather than saying, okay, let's chase everything, but we actually, we're making the most money from a blogging, you know. So for me, it's very important for customers to go back to basics and just review what they are doing which product as a said or service is bringing in the most return like and even I say to my clients which one do you make the most money from and you actually also enjoy the most that actually gives you satisfaction you know maybe it's not even the one that gives you the absolute most money but which one do you actually enjoy and focus your business and marketing and messaging around that you know because sometimes businesses want to sell everything and again just reviewing target audiences you know is it is it a matter of just saying let's rather focus on small businesses or let's focus on the health industry you know whatever it may be is it's just reviewing all these small things as i say going back to the basics doesn't mean you have to revisit your entirety of your business as a as a model but mm. just what are you putting out there so that there's not, not as much confusion because as i say because so many people are doing it wrong you come in, you start following what everyone else is doing and you just think what they're doing is the right thing. So you just want to put out content and you just want to put out stuff and, and actually it's just creating much confusion. Take a step back, review mm. the basics and then take, take, take a step forward. What I find is a lot of my clients don't know who they are as a brand either. They kind of look at what is trending or they try and jump on the trend bandwagon or they kind of like... I want to be like Nando's 
and you're like, but you can't be like Nando's because you aren't Nando's. You know, that is their brand. So by replicating that, you think that you're going to get traction, but you're not because uh, you're not Nando's. Basically, you're ripping them off. So who are you? Who is your brand? And, uh, you know, we, we often speak about defining the audience, but not many people have actually taken the time to define who they are as a brand or what their business is actually about as well. And that that's kind of the other side to the coin, isn't it? To to make sure that your messaging is on point. Absolutely. And I think that's, it kind of goes back to old school, but I think it's still very valuable and more so today um, is the unique selling proposition or I, I call it unique value proposition because if it's your unique value proposition, it's something about your business that gives value to your client that nobody else does. Mm. And I think that's definitely that whole me too thing is because it is, it's like, okay, we also sell um, corporate stationery. Okay. But so what is different from you to the other team? You know? So like I had a lady that phoned me and she's like, um, you know, with this whole crisis and COVID, you know, that she's no longer selling her stationery. So I said, well, why don't you put it online? You know, yeah, but it's so awkward. And then I said, well, change it at the angle as, as gifting, you know, so corporate gifting, corporate gifts becoming gifts because there's some awesome corporate gifts. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's just, I think people get caught up in that space of I sell corporate gifts. So how else can I differentiate myself? I mean, that's where I think people also get a bit lazy. And actually by identifying something different or being unique in something and offering something in of value is going to set you apart. And it takes time to build it up, but it's something that we need to focus on because otherwise you're just another me too. And then it's like somebody's going to sit there with 10 corporate suppliers in front of them and just literally probably pick the one with the most pictures, for example, you know, mm. whereas you want people to be making decisions based on the messages you've put out, that you've you've been relevant to them, that you, you're you going to give them value. You're doing something different. Like, this is interesting. Corporate gifting as personal gifts or whatever, you know. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that, like you say, it's, it's, I don't know if it's a sense of comfort or laziness, but there's a lot of Me Too stuff happening. And I agree with you. A lot of people don't really know even what branding is. You know, it's not just a logo. Maybe you've already kind of answered this question in terms of defining the audience and so on and going back to basics. But is there what kind of one tried and true method that offers a decent return on investment? Um, specifically, I'm talking for risk averse business owners who don't want to obviously commit to spending too much money on advertising and other marketing activities. Is there is there one thing that they can do in their business that has since marketing was invented, that it, it's shown to be like, this will definitely over time make sure that people see your message and start buying from you. So I have a very short answer for that. Mm. <laughs> and it's one word. Is it no? <laughs> but the, yeah, that too. But no, it, is, it starts with a C. Yeah. Yeah, consistency. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's no one tried and trusted um, because every product, every service, every consumer, every COVID, you know, COVID changed the entire marketing landscape, you know. So, the, uh, you know, from a tried and trusted perspective, um, for me, it's about just being consistent. So if you choose to do something, just continue doing it. Even if you feel like it's not giving you maybe the results you want immediately, just consistently do it because the big brands out there, 
are very consistent. And yes, it will go down to money as well. Don't get me wrong. And consistency and a bit of advertising spend will get you a far away. And if advertising is not an option or money, consistency. But I mean, as I was saying, with the big brands like Coke and Nike, we consistently see messaging from them in any shape and form. But they've got big budgets, they're big brands. It's okay. It's about the consistency that they're continually putting their brands out there in top of mind. For me, that's my advice, you know, besides going into which methods and which which channels, consistency will get, get you a far way. Awesome. That's great because um, working in the content space as well, I mean, you can't, and it's like with anything, uh, even back in the day when you did print uh, adverts in the Sunday Times, you don't um, slam uh, one advert in for one week and expect yeah. to make your return. You have to do it consistently. I think that in print media, it was a little bit less. Uh, I think it was four or five times someone had to see your brand in order for it to actually register. In the digital space, because we're so flooded with content and we're suffering from content fatigue, 10 times or more before people even actually notice that you exist. In order to reach that, you have to be consistent. And I'd like to just add on its consistency, but its regularity as well, because it's no good being consistent and you only post consistently once every six months. I mean, you have to do it on a regular basis, once a day or once a week or whatever. Now, I mentioned a bit of experimentation and um, uh, that kind of brings me to this question is, does fortune favor the brave when it comes to doing something that is not run of the mill? Some people want to have this really weird out there content, but their, their, their appetite for risk kind of holds them back from doing something that's too different. So doing something when it comes to experimenting, how does it work? Like how beyond the horizon do you push things or in order to get people to grab to grab their attention and um, and so on, does it work to be completely experimental or are there kind of solid rules that you should be following um, even though they keep you in line with what most other people are doing. So to be honest with you, there's a number, there's a number of different elements. So the, the first and first and foremost that we'd obviously look at is what is currently working, but in the case that clients haven't tested and measured it, which is the most likely case, <laughs> then we just we will continue doing what they're doing. Mm. But obviously, we'd need to enhance it. Um, we'd obviously have to review the, the messaging with people like yourselves and getting that message right. I mean, that's my number one thing anyway, is it doesn't help putting blogs out there or newsletters and posts, but it's it's irrelevant to actually what you're trying to achieve. So yeah. once we've gone through that whole process of identifying objectives and looked at what they're actually trying to achieve and we're getting the messaging right, we will start on the platforms they got. You know, if they've got the basic social platforms, if they're doing the blogs, they've got a website, We'll do a bit of a campaign. But then based on that, you know, it's all about testing and measuring. Mm. So ways we do it is we do A-B tests. So, for example, actually just this morning I spoke to a client and we're going to do an A-B test for a, um, an email that we've created for his company, one speaking about one product offering and one speaking about the other just to see which one gets a better response. Um, so that's something we can implement, which is helps us also see what people are um, reacting to from a content perspective. Yeah. And then the same on like Facebook campaigns, you can do A-B testing to see what people react more to. Do they react more to videos or 
Are they reacting more to um, carousel ad or a static sponsored ad or whatever it may be? So mm. there's definitely these steps and measures to do. And, and that's why we always, always suggest that customers do test and measure their marketing. But it's it's difficult to understand. I mean, for, for somebody that's not aware of it and how to do it. But Facebook has that insights button. You can literally click insights and it will show you which of your ads performed well. And then you can go, Jeez, okay, they all responded to that interview with Megan Darcy or, you know, oh, okay, so maybe I should do more of those. You know, those mm-hmm. are the kind of things that we need to start looking at as well as on Google Analytics, which is also there and free and available, being able to go and see where most of your leads have come from. Because if they are all from Facebook, well, then we know we're doing something right on Facebook. So again, for me, it's about testing and measuring. There's no point, I would say, in in doing something that isn't going to work. But again, it comes down to the objective, the type of audience, where they're wanting to get this information and then putting it out there and testing it. And then we just change it. That's that's the great part about digital is you can change it and yeah, do what works for us. And the last point probably is budget. So budget will also determine, you know, what we're going to be able to do. Because if a client doesn't have much budget, then they've got to kind of go with their posting on Facebook and LinkedIn and creating emails. But with a bit of budget, they can do a nice blog. Um, like by yourself, you could write an awesome blog. Um, you could do campaigns on Facebook. You could maybe do a bit of Google ads. Like, you know, there's a little bit more scope to to play around with. So, yeah. yeah. So those are pretty much the factors that come into making a decision of which the better options to go with and, and what's going to determine the success. Yeah, yeah. You, like me, um, now we're switching from kind of small business to kind of what you do in a personal capacity. So you kind of juggle several different channels to get your messages out and uh, you have live stream interviews and webinars and you post quite a lot on LinkedIn and Facebook too as well I don't know if I've missed any I haven't seen you on Instagram um, because you know your brand doesn't well what, what you do your product doesn't really lend itself to Instagram which is you know no. that's another thing that people seem to kind of confuse is which channels to be on and we'll maybe touch on that a little later but uh, where we seem to differ though is that you like most other people seem to have all this kind of scheduled in a specific routine uh, whereas I tend to mess around with stuff in the background between the paid work and publish as and when I get time to do so I do it regularly and consistently but it's not like yours that like I know every Monday you've got your little no, it's Wednesdays. Really you've got your your Wednesday um, wisdoms. Wednesday wisdoms and your Friday your friendly Fridays. Uh, you know you do it consistently, and I was trying to do that, but I just found that I would run out of time in order to create the content. And I don't know if it's maybe because we we're creating different content. It's a lot easier to keep a scheduled live thing going at a specific time and date rather than you know, every Thursday I'm going to publish a blog because it becomes tedious then to kind of come up with new ideas uh, consistently every week. Um, And then you kind of, you know, you start with that whole kind of quality versus quantity debate, etc. Let's maybe list the pros and cons of a roster that works like clockwork versus doing ad hoc stuff. And now I've, I've already mentioned quality versus quantity, but it works in some cases, but not in others. So I don't know if maybe you'd like to touch on on that awesome question i as i've said to you before consistency is my strong strong positioning in corporate days in my own business because that's the only way 
you're going to eventually get people to see your message. You know, if you're consistently putting stuff out there, as you said, on a regular basis, very yeah. important. So just a personal note, I'm, I'm just structured like that, but I like to have things, you know, themed. Um, that's my kind of creative space that comes out. And, <laughs> and so I kind of came up with this, how am I going to get to post regularly and with regular content? So I kind of decided I'm not going to rely on the typical posting as I probably do a lot more for my clients, but rather focusing on value-driven stuff because I'm obviously pretty much selling my brand and that is myself at this mm -hmm. stage. And I'm in that space that needs to build that credibility. I need to get into the face of people. They need to see me. They need to hear me because if I'm going to be coaching you or doing online sessions with you, ultimately they've got to like you. Let's be honest. There's yeah, just some yeah. people you like and there's just some people you don't like. So, so I'm in the process of building this journey, building the credibility, getting my thought leadership out there. So I kind of came up with this whole thing of, okay, well, marketing Mondays, is fabulous so that's kind of where I thought okay I'll do the webinars wisdom Wednesdays is where I'll come in and do a bit of a video with a quick one minute um, tip and then my Fridays as you know as my friendly Fridays where I do interviews with experts in the industry as well so at the same time myself building credibility um, giving them also value and information as we do on our friendly Fridays with experts like yourself and also collaboration you know it's not just about me as I said to you you know building a business it isn't just about marketing like just with marketing alone we've got a content expert like yourself we then refer to an SEO expert as well we've got a Facebook or social media expert you know we've got a Google Ads expert you know there's all these people that kind of contribute to the success of a band you know yeah, so yeah. for me for my business it's just as I said consistency was important um, how many times to post a week? As you know, there's no hard and fast rule, but I just kind of picked the obvious Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. And for me, it was just about giving as much value and information as I can for free to help build my brand, because that's going to basically be my strategy to get people to come on board my programs and to, to get a liking for me and my information I give and then hopefully build my database from there. So definitely the pro about a regular roster is I would say it's easier to manage because then you know Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays is the day that you need to do what you need to do and you can also pre-plan it which in some cases I'm not always the best at that but I know <laughs> from Hello High Water Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays I've got to post something or at least Fridays is a given because that's just a live interview Yeah. but definitely for clients you know a pro is having a plan because if you don't plan to post Monday, Wednesday, Friday you're going to wake up on Wednesday and go shit what am I going to post today oh my gosh I don't know but you know if you know it's Wisdom Wednesdays you know what it is so you've got to get it out so yeah. definitely a pro is planning um, to enable you to get your content out otherwise you're just going to get lazy and you're not going to do it the con on the other hand I have found it already in my own self like shh, I get like an amazing article and I'm like I want to share it I want to write it I'm like oh but I've already posted today then I'm like should I post twice so yes I do post twice some days but I think the con factor is maybe it, it kind of maybe defines you a little bit too much for not having as much flexibility because sometimes I, I do just want to share great content yeah. Um, but sorry, just one more other pro of posting consistently is also they say your audience gets to know, like you mentioned, you know, you know, on a Wednesday, I give a wisdom tip, you mm. know, you know, on a Friday, I do the interviews. So that's also great is people like we are, we're all human, yeah. we're all creatures of habit. And they say to build up a consistent audience, 
also need to do kind of more consistent stuff at the same time. Not necessarily the same time because I'm not very good at that. But yes, as much as the same time, same day, also allows people to expect it, you know, and yeah. hopefully get more engagement. So hope that helped you in terms of um, some pros and cons as to planning and rostering your, your kind of content. I find that my kind of ad hoc strategy, I mean, I'm very different when it comes to social media. I've got my Monday morning coffee quote that goes out on Facebook. And then I've got, uh, I consistently post throughout the week on both Facebook and LinkedIn. And as we discussed the other day, you know, um, I use a scheduler for that because otherwise I just forget. And from my perspective, using a, a social media scheduler it gives you analytics and all kinds of things across all your platforms you can slap all your all your stuff on one platform and it'll spread it out to whatever you've linked to it which is great but when it comes to the long form content i find that if i had to do it consistently okay well i do it consistently because i do it at least once a month but i don't have like you know i'm going to do it on the third thursday of every month i'm going to release a podcast because i find that it for me it makes it less organic and being in the creative space you know not everything is structured and you want a little bit of flexibility and so on but like i said um i was blogging and i was releasing a blog post every thursday and i started to struggle with you know coming up with unique insights consistently every single week and like i said it became a, a quantity over quality thing so i i don't post my long form content as long um, as as consistently or as regularly as I as I used to but when I do it the, the quality is a lot higher and I'm hoping that the amount that I post in terms of the social media stuff kind of that mm -hmm. consistency and regularity picks up, uh, yeah, you know yeah. picks up the slack on that so no definitely sorry that that's a good point is it it also goes by what you're posting. So agreed, like to do a blog a week is insane. I mean, I know some people think it's quite easy, but you're actually still running a business. So like, I agree with you, you know, when you can post a blog and like you say, when it's a quality blog, um, I thoroughly enjoyed your last one. I actually read about how to write a blog. And oh, cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, so it becomes like, it's something workable. It's mm -hmm. not just a another blog so I agree with you on that is is the kind of social thing I think is maybe more daily kind of thing and kind of just to get that consistent visibility kind of going but your long-term stuff like you say your blogs and email or newsletters if you do that to clients whatever you know as and when you can because you, you don't want to just be putting out content to tick your tick your to-do list saying okay done 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 yeah and you know that's what it's um that's what it becomes uh before i actually turned um this my blog into a business i was posting on a whole range of topics and you know i'm not going to go too far down that road but i was posting everything from um you know my travels to uh, it was a really weird eclectic mix of random Crap that I posted. And um, I'm very, I'm very passionate about music. And so I thought, well, I'm gonna do a music Monday. So every every Monday I'm gonna do a blog about something about music. But I tell you, just um holding down a full-time job and writing two blogs that the one went out on a Monday and the one went out on a Thursday, I just 
couldn't, it was just too much. And I think what a lot of people don't realize as well is when you're planning your content, you have to look at the long term. And I'm not speaking in terms of like, yes, we know content marketing takes a long time to show a return on investment, but just from a sustainability perspective, are you able to go, are you going to be able to sustain creating that amount of content over the long term? Because if you get used to posting a blog every single day, that's what people, and you push it out and that's what people get to know you as, and you stop doing that, it is also going to have a negative impact on your um, on your brand. Absolutely. Yeah. So what channels are producing the most for you and why do you think this is? And are there any channels that you might look at getting rid of? Because a lot of marketing as well as, uh, and I've seen this, let's just be on every channel and just post the same content across every channel. That's not necessarily the right strategy. So how do you go about uh, and I'm speaking about now in your personal capacity, we've already touched on that you're not, for example, on Instagram for Marketing Lifeline. How do you gauge what's doing well where? Um, I find for my particular brand, Facebook doesn't really work, but LinkedIn does because that's where my target audience is. So I don't know if you'd maybe like to kind of chat about that a little bit as well. Yeah, so for me at this stage in my business, LinkedIn by far is giving me the right exposure to the right audience? Is it giving me the engagement and the business that I need yet? No, but again, you know, I'm kind of expecting it to take time to build up. Um, to be honest with you, my previous business, I think, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but I did typically what a mechanic would do and a mechanic wouldn't fix their car, right? So yeah. I had a marketing <laughs> business and I didn't market my business because I hadn't, there was no need to because I just had referral after referral and, that's how I grew my previous business. So the marketing lifeline kind of happened so quickly and overnight that I've had no choice. And again, because I'm selling Megan as the marketing lifeline, I've had no choice to go to a space like LinkedIn and start creating this presence um, mm. of who I am, my credibility, my history, my experience, you know, all the great things that LinkedIn has to offer. But it's so important because... The one thing I've also learned in the last couple of months is I would typically go on Facebook daily, you know, and then I would go to these international meetings because, you know, with Zoom, we are able to meet anywhere in the world and and I'd, I'd attend these meetings and someone would connect with me in the chat and say, please, please contact me. Let's connect or whatever. And everyone always used to post their LinkedIn profiles. It was like, why don't you just like populate your email? It's like everyone put their LinkedIn profiles and and it just kind of made me realize that South Africa is, I think, still in a bit of a space around LinkedIn being a bit of a recruitment platform because mm. I still have some of my clients saying, yeah, but LinkedIn is like a prospecting recruitment site. And I'm like, well, actually, are you not wanting to prospect clients? So potentially it's a good place to be, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's still a little bit of a, a misunderstanding um, about the opportunities that LinkedIn has to offer. And that's not the premium packages and all that that they offer. Quite frankly, it's it's just very basic things you have to do daily. You know, getting a profile right, obviously, is number one. Mm. Doing the daily things. And then it's all about the commenting and the liking because it's all got the algorithm going. Yeah, so there's, yeah. there's a bit of a science to it. But I think LinkedIn, for my business like yours, definitely the right platform to be, you know, in positioning my brand. I obviously have to drive recommendations there. And that's what anyone I would suggest has to do because that's what people are looking for. And yeah, absolutely. I can go in and I can select who I want to connect with and 
connect with them and and so it's a great place to be so for me personally right now linkedin is giving me the leads in the sense of the connections or as i call them prospects but no, now obviously I need to continue and I need to nurture them and I need to grow them into potential clients one day. So that's definitely a space I'd recommend kind of small to medium or large businesses be. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I can tell you now, I've because I'm so affair with like LinkedIn at the moment, because <laughs> I was like, when I started, I had like 50 connections two months ago. And I was like, I've got to jack my socks up. So anyway, I'm almost at my 500. But now I like go onto someone's profile and I'm like, Sure, they've only got 23 connections and the last time they were active was three years ago. So immediately I'm like, okay, no, let's kind of, so it's, I think, you know, if you, if you maybe weren't active on LinkedIn before, it's not a bad space to just go and check it out, you know, just update your profile, start being a bit more active because if you're posting on Facebook, you could just as well share that same post on LinkedIn and vice versa. And that's what I do. So yeah. I do still use Facebook. I still feel Facebook has that place that people go, obviously more from a leisure perspective. So I would generally tell my clients that their messaging has to be slightly different on a Facebook platform, you know, versus the kind of LinkedIn messaging. So I'm still on Facebook. As you said, I'm not on Instagram for obvious reasons. Twitter, I could most definitely be on Twitter from a kind of opinion piece point of view. But personally, from a time perspective, I'm just like, okay, I need to make time to be on Twitter because I think, again, if you choose to be on all these platforms, you need to be consistent. You know, there's no mm. point in having a Twitter account that stands, stands dormant for months and months and there's no activity from your side. So, yeah, yeah so definitely LinkedIn. But again, I'm going to have to, I'm obviously doing Facebook campaigns. I'm doing LinkedIn prospecting. I'm not really doing much advertising on LinkedIn. I'm doing mailers to my clients. I've actually done some Google advertising, Facebook advertising and vice versa. I've done some A-B testing and I'm actually just, waiting for my results from my website to actually see where I did get the most leads from as well. So I may be thinking, as I said, LinkedIn might be a good space for me to be, but where am I getting the most leads from obviously also is important. So yeah, for me, it's it's definitely about experimenting, as you said, but I think mm. there's also some platforms that you just have to be there. And I think LinkedIn going forward is going to be one of those that is going to be quite critical for us to engage with both businesses locally and internationally. Yeah. LinkedIn is amazing. Facebook, like I mentioned for, for me, I actually didn't even have a Facebook profile. I removed myself off of Facebook. And when I started my blog with all that other random stuff that I was doing while I was still employed, you need a place to publicize it. And, and, Facebook was the correct platform at that time. But something I was chatting to someone the other day and they, they mentioned a very random example. We, we got guys in to do the roofs in our complex and they didn't have a website and no one could find them on Facebook. And so like, who are these people? Like they don't even have a Facebook page. For me, Facebook is a necessary evil because people much like Google, you know, people use Facebook to kind of check you out and see that you are a real company and you know like you know so it's um it's hard like because quite honestly if if I didn't have to be I probably wouldn't be on Facebook I really don't like the platform and it's kind of I don't know it's deteriorated um and it's a bit tainted now isn't it from all the bad from all the bad press but I agree with you LinkedIn is a great place to be uh we've been going for quite a while so um I'm going to round off with five Quick questions. Question number one, define success. Cool. So is this I'm assuming this is success for me. How I would how I would visualize success. 
Yes, yeah, your your de- your definition of success. It's about being able to go and do anything my heart desires with a big fat smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love asking yeah. that question because um, people's definitions of success are so different and it's not often you actually come across one that has a kind of materialistic, you know, like success is having yeah. a Mercedes or whatever. Like, so yeah, uh, that's, that's a good answer. I like that. <laughs> Question two, what do you do when you're not working on your business? And I think maybe that's a difficult question to answer right now because, uh, like you said, you, you, you're juggling clients from your previous business, um, trying to set up things for your current business. So do you have any time that when you're not working at the moment? <laughs> I'd like to say I don't, but I don't have a choice. I'm a mom of two boys, so um, oh, wow. I need to make time. I must be honest, I... At current, I probably don't make enough time. I should probably do that a bit bit more, but it's okay. My son um, was saying a speech the other day. So I said, okay, now you've got to put a section with mommy because he's got to write a whole speech about his family. So he goes through the lots. And then he's like, mommy, my mommy works too hard, but mommy works for money. I was like, okay, well, that's not a a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of said the first part about mommy works too hard, but then mommy works for money. But what something about money, I was like, Okay, that's fine because everything they always need or want is around money. So, mm. well, but, having um, having kids is expensive. So, yeah, you, you yeah. work so that you can have kids. <laughs> yeah, and and you'll you'll like you'll hear them saying, "But, mommy, just buy it. Like, just use your card. Like, the bank's always got money. Like, <laughs> the bank's always got money. It's not my money, but it's the bank's money." And um, and when I really do have time and I need to de-stress, I actually am a runner and I enjoy. Yeah, I'm actually enjoy long distance running. Oh, awesome. Uh, do you do uh, park runs and that kind of thing? No, we actually, we do. We used to do park runs, but uh, we, we mostly just kind of go out and do our own thing at the moment. Mm. I see the my run has started again, but park runs obviously haven't yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, 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 we're quite good. We, we're quite good. We go out on a Wednesday night and we do our time trials because I actually belong to a club as well. So we run oh, on wow. a Wednesday, we run on a Friday and we try and get to go out on a Sunday and do a bit of a long slow distance yeah nice so i do find some time and there's always always time for a glass of wine too so oh of course (laughs) well it's it's like that story um about the guy that puts the the rocks in the the jar and then he pours like sand oh yes yes you you can still no matter how busy your life is you can always Put in a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or a beer or whatever. (laughs) I like that. So question number three, is there a specific resource that you continually return to that you believe is integral to your personal development? Um, Absolutely. I mean, you know, even though I've, I've come from university and I've worked in corporate and had practical ongoing experience and done a few courses in between, you know, you have to constantly learn. For me, it is about that, you know, um, always, always learn because obviously that's how we succeed. I don't know the quote of my head right now, but I know it's about, you know, to make money, you need to be keep, you have to keep learning. There's no mm. ways that you make money without learning. And just for those exact reasons, as I've mentioned to you, but earlier is assuming your business is successful and going forth as it is and not looking around you and like the Toys R Us story, you know, they just kind of assume their success without thinking, well, where's the market actually going? Are we going to be online? And, you know, then you obviously will fail. So mm. I believe consistently 
you know, one needs to keep learning. So I myself actually have a business coach. I also attend quite a few online webinars. I'm not going to lie. I'm actually attending one tomorrow night for TikTok. So just by, by the way, that's something else I'm, I'm looking at, not to sure. say I'm, I'm going to be doing it because it might be a space in the future, whether it's my audience is the kind of question mark at this stage, but mm. again, open to new things because I see people in my space doing just that with TikTok online. And I think I need to look at it, you know, yeah. so always be learning. Absolutely. I personally also have a mentor in my, in my marketing space. So that's something that I also encourage people to have. And from an accountability perspective, you know, you need to have somebody because as much as I'd like to rely on my husband, that's never going to happen. So <laughs> that's why I chose to have a business coach at the time to just help me through, you know, take action because I've got a lot of planning and I do a lot of action. But I think without that like accountability partner or something, it's hard for you to actually put it into place. And so absolutely, um, I, I am pretty much an online person though, as much as I can use the online space to learn and then my few odd books that I have, because I do still like paperback books. It's just who I am. I love writing little notes. And so um, I do read a few books um, when I get the time. Still got one that I haven't even opened it, but I've got it. And I need to get onto that soon. But yeah, absolutely, I'm, I'm always learning. There's always reports coming out, you know, downloading reports, you know, learning, learning, learning is, is critical for us yeah. to if all the books in the world suddenly spontaneously combusted except for one what would that book be and why so that's an interesting question i would probably say um maybe my book (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i have a book in word (laughs) (laughs) and um it's not quite close to to being finished yet but um i am actually busy with a a book the title at the moment called my marketing but it's mi for marketing intelligence but it's yeah it's not quite finished um so you know when you mentioned about being combustible i was like no that book's not going anywhere because i've worked too hard to to not it should have been launched end of last year it should have been launched at the beginning of this year Actually, funny enough, yesterday I had a chat to the lady that helped me plot it. And I said to her, I'm just going to have to put a day in my diary and say, book launch, like D-Day, you know, because yeah. if I don't put D-Day, it's never going to come to fruition. So anyway, so that 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 is one. When I read your question, I was like, hmm, I wonder. But, um, <laughs> Another book, and it's probably one of the first, first business books I've ever read in my life. I mean, I've read a few. And sorry, just by the way, that's another thing is I'm not a fiction reader by any chance. Like I tried and tried and it just, you know, I read the few kind of Fifty Shades and, you know, a few of those kind of not Wilbur Smith's, what's that? Um, anyway, Jeff, but South African. Jeffrey Deaver. Oh, uh, Dean. Oh, uh, here uh, I'm going to pretend like I know South African fiction writers. Please ignore me. Yeah, so it's okay. <laughs> and, all this, yeah, and all those kind of. And no, it just never really appealed to me. I'm, I'm just, my mind is so active. If I want to rest, I'm asleep. So even reading a book for me, like that's why I say I love paperback books. I love writing notes. I, I kind of have done the online thing, but I just, I just don't connect with it as well as I do with actually all the other online stuff we do. Um, and the one of the first books that I bought and I've, I've got is a book called, um, your Why by Simon Sinek, believe it or not. Um, oh, yes, yeah. Always been a bit of a kind of mentor for me. And it always resonates back to marketing is that whole why thing. And I think it actually through a lot of the things we've spoken about today, actually, it's quite relevant is, is understanding who you are and who you want to be. Firstly, like, I mean, and then kind of 
repurposing that into your product offering, you know, mm. your messaging and and so forth. So yeah. that was probably one of the first books that I've got and I'll probably always go back to it. Um, but most definitely, if anything had to happen, um, my book would have to be safe on my computer as that's where it is at this point in time, <laughs> but hopefully in print soon. Awesome, awesome. Fingers crossed you can get that uh, that out. Are you doing, um, are you printing or are you doing just ebook? I'm just going to do like a self-published thing, I think. And um, I'm going to do Amazon like ebooks and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, fingers crossed you can get that out ASAP. <laughs> Final question. What one piece of advice do you wish you had received when you started your business? Um, whether that was your previous business or the current one? <sighs> Jeez, no I think pressure. there's actually there's, there's quite a few, you know. I know, no, it's it's actually a hectic question because I think there's so many things. Like, you know, if I had a, a student in front of me that kind of said, "I want to start my own business," where would I start? And obviously, being a marketing person, I would say, <laughs> "What's your marketing plan?" Um, but yeah, I think there's. I think for me, like more personally, is is just like remain positive because I do believe the success does follow. If you believe in something you're doing so so much um, and you're passionate about it, I think that's a key thing as well. Don't try and do something not you half-heartedly feel for and only just because it's everyone wants it. Like I sometimes feel then you're not going to be um, in a, a success naturally. You know, mm. if you're passionate about what you do and you do it well, the success will definitely follow. But I also do. And somebody always said this to me, and I was always like, "But I can't. But I can't. But I can't." And it is definitely about putting as much money and resources into your business as you can as early as possible. Mm. Because what business owners tend to do is we tend to try and do this all on our own for as long as we can. And the results are kind of like half-hearted. And sometimes we just got to bite the bullets. Um, some have said take out a loan and just kickstart your business with a great working website with a great campaign with a great research and offering that you've got with great content and you know get the people into your business that can help you do this you know mm -hmm. so get the resources that can automate your business you know that's somewhere where I struggle with is automation and and then getting someone in that can help you build your content and getting someone in that can help you with with your business planning and your financial planning and your goals and all these things that one actually has to think about, you know, yeah. if you want to succeed. So as much as it's always hard to swallow, it actually is the right way to do it is, is put in the resources and supported by finances as soon as or as early as possible in, in your journey. That's uh, super good advice. And yeah, it's one of those things that you kind of know instinctively, but um Maybe it's budgetary reasons, but you don't want to, you've just started and you don't want to kind of start forking out money to other people. And so you try and hold off, but you know, it's, it's further down the line. You, you would be, you'd be better off further down the line if you did it immediately than kind of trying to hang on and wait until you had money and so on. So that's, that's great advice. Before you go, where can people get hold of you, your social media and website, et cetera? And just by the way, we are currently doing marketing. Um, so podcasting is a form of marketing. <laughs> you know? But I'm marketing. I'm doing it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So I I have a website that's www.themarketinglifeline.com. Um, so I've got a few programs there that people can go and check out that I offer. I also have, as I mentioned, the LinkedIn profile, either under the Marketing Lifeline or my own, which is probably a bit more 
personal is Megan Kornberger, spelt M-E-G-A-N, um, <laughs> like Megan. And I've got a Facebook profile as well. But yeah, pretty much connect with me. Please, yeah, connect with me on, on LinkedIn. That would be awesome. Awesome. Last point. You're saying that we're doing marketing uh, right now and podcast is marketing. It's amazing. I think you are episode number 24 or 25. We're in the 20s somewhere. And out of all of them that I've done so far, only one person has actually leveraged this on their own platform. Everyone else just kind of leaves it on my platform. And, you know, this is a long, long form content. And um, even though it's not on your platform necessarily, just market it because it's, getting your name out to other people. So, yeah, um, uh, maybe I should give you the names of those 24 other people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, I think that is, I think we briefly touched on that on Friday is, is I think that's what happens with business owners is they, they don't know what content to share. Mm. And then they get an opportunity like this and they don't even see the opportunity that this is on your platform, but you can share it with your entire platform yes know, yeah yeah channels and and so so be it but but yeah that's why i guess we are where we are yeah, that's we why people like us, us exist so <laughs> agreed awesome this has been a lot of fun thanks megan and uh i appreciate you taking the time and yeah um i'm sure that we will be keeping in contact and and collaborating more in the future because uh between friday and today this has been quite cool to chat to someone in the same space and um it's it's been a lot of fun so thank you very much awesome thank thank you for inviting me and and as i did also briefly mention you know collaboration is absolutely essential both for us and other industries you know that's where people are really starting to make a bit of an indent and and recognizing other businesses and rather helping each other i mean i Mm. think with COVID now as well we've seen quite a number of people kind of suggesting supporting local and not all the big brands and stuff. So it's really helping small businesses along their way. So thank you so much for the opportunity. And I look forward to sharing it on my platforms too. So thank you for your time. It's a big pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you. Follow the Business of Podcast on my website, megamillist.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamillist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy, M-E-G-A-N-D apostrophe A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.